evening. Tonight's Bible reading will come from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'll be reading from the NIV. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Two, one, two, hello. Yep, thank you so much for that, Josh. Very good. Well, as you're possibly aware, we're doing a bit of a mini-series at the moment where we're looking at some of the characters uh, around the manger or around Christmas time. And uh, this evening in particular, I'll be looking at... Can I have my slides up the back too, please? Just so I know where I am. Thank you. Tonight, I'm going to be looking at... Um, the wise men. And uh, in looking at the wise men, I'm possibly going to dispel a few myths uh, related to the Christmas story. And uh, I hope not too many of you are upset about that. But um, it won't be anywhere near as much as the shock that Pastor Brendan um, caused in a kids' church service last week when he mentioned that Jesus would never have eaten ham. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe how shocked everyone was, but there you go. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much that we can be here this evening. Thank you for your presence, your power, and your love. And Lord, now we just play, pray for the truth of your word to come through. We pray for your wisdom to come through those words, Lord. And we ask that we'll hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we going to have troubles with the mic? Should I be on stage? It's going to cause you issues. Sorry? Okay. Okay, so I think there's a few things that we should look at a bit closer in the story of the wise men so we can understand a little bit better. And I think when we're looking at this, we've got to ask why would Jesus or why would God include this in um, the scriptures? And uh, it's quite an interesting thing. So the first question I have as part of this is who are the wise men? 
And if we're to believe a famous carol that was written back in 1857, um, you'd be seriously misled. Because the truth of the matter is the first line should be more like this. We three kings from Orient are, because they were not three, they were not kings, and they weren't from the Orient. Don't know why we sing it. Don't know why it was ever produced. But that's the truth of the matter. And uh, as I say, there was not three. In actual fact, there was three gifts, which we actually know quite well. To Jerusalem at that time and then went on to Bethlehem, there was possibly somewhere in the vicinity of 14. So it's 12 to 14 of these guys who came with their entourage and everything like that. So it would have been quite a crowd that actually rocked up to Jerusalem at that time, not three guys. But So, as I said, they had those attendants with them and everything like that. They weren't from the Orient, although they were from the East. We do actually know that. And uh, these guys were called Magis. Uh, I know there's many different ways to pronounce it, but I hunted it down and made sure I got it right. And so, this term was originally used um, for the priestly caste of ancient, ancient Persia. And they were possibly followers of Zoroaster, which I can't stop thinking that maybe this guy did coffee beans or something, being Zoroaster. But uh, no, they would have followed him perhaps, and there would have been elements of astrology, demonology, um, wisdom and magic in what they actually taught and followed and things like that. So in actual fact, the last possible guys you would have thought would have rocked up to see and worship Jesus. But these wise men... in the ways of the Babylonians for three years. He had to learn everything about them and their gods and their religious practices and everything like that. But Daniel became most noted when he interpreted the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, the impossible task, and a task that no one else could do. And even Daniel himself says that he could not do it, but that it was God who revealed the dream to him. And he proclaimed this to all of the people who were within hearing. And then Daniel later spoke about three different kingdoms that would follow Babylon. 
That time that would happen when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and so they followed that and uh, that's how they found Jesus where he was. But I've got a bit of an issue with both of those stories, both of those accounts. So this star rose in the east, but the thing is this star moved. After listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And so they came to Jerusalem and they spent time with Herod the king. They were inside with him and everything like that. And when they came out, they saw this star again. And then the star moved and guided them to the exact place where Jesus was in Bethlehem. I don't know how good you are, was, but I know some builders, they can sight something and they can just look at it with their eye. They can line it up and whatever they do after that is all sweet. It's all in line and everything like that. That is not me at all. Anyway, so the thing is, if these guys actually saw a star, as stars that we see in the sky, I'm a little bit confused as to how they went. It's that house right there. I, I just don't get that, how they could pick that to be that house in the middle of a city or village or whatever you would like to call Bethlehem. And so the word used for star here has been used for many things. It can mean heavenly body. It can mean star. It can mean supernatural light. And when we read Revelation 1.20, we actually see that angels are called stars. In the Old Testament, when the Israelites were being led through the desert, it was by a cloud during the day, and it was a pillar of fire by night. Something that emits light. And that was God's plan. That was God's purpose. And so for me, I believe this star was a supernatural light that God created for this purpose. He had commanded it specifically for this task. And I'm quite... Angels are all over the nativity scene. Angels are all over Jesus' birth. And so... I believe that that's what God did in this case. So when did these guys come? It's clear from the passages before us that Jesus was not in the manger in Bethlehem when these guys came. Matthew 2.11 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Jesus is no longer in the manger. He's no longer a baby. He's a child. And the word used here for child usually means infant or toddler. And he is found here in a house. And he's with his mother. He's not in a stable. He's not in a cave with animals or anything like that. He is in a house. And I know some people have great difficulty with this. But you are going to have to go home and snap a few figures off your nativity scenes, okay? The wise men just weren't there. Is simply not true. It's not supported in Scripture. And the question is, why did they come? And that second verse, which we've touched on several times tonight, tells us that these men came to worship the king. They had not yet found the king. But later, when they leave Herod, they see the star again, and it goes on before them and rests over the place where Jesus was. We're told that they rejoiced exceedingly 
with great joy. And they enter the house and they see Jesus and Jesus is with his mother. And in a way, it's almost like they ignore their mother, his mother. And they bow and they worship Jesus. They worship this infant. Could you imagine how bizarre that looked? This is a child, one to two years old. And these 14 men come in. And as soon as they see him, they throw themselves on the floor. These are men who would have been well-dressed. These are men who would have had great statue where they were. And the word translated worship here is a word that is reserved solely for the worship of a deity. This is a word that is reserved for worshipping God. How did these guys actually get that? How did they know that that was how they were supposed to worship God and worship Jesus? And just, just think about this scene. These guys are cosy pagans. They're Gentiles. They're religious astrologers. They are interested in stars and all those things that the Old Testament says people shouldn't worship. And yet here they are, worshipping Jesus, the King of the Jews. And when we think about what they're doing, it's highly doubtful that they truly knew who it was before them. And it could be that as they bowed before Jesus, they acknowledged him as king. And they were hoping that it would be recorded that they had acknowledged Jesus as king. So when he grew and took his kingdom, they would have a treaty with him. He would treat them favorably into the future. But these guys also brought gifts. And this is an interesting thing as well, the gifts that they brought. They couldn't have understood the significance of what they were offering to Jesus. Every gift that they brought was incredibly costly. Every gift they brought was highly valued. They brought their best. They brought the best of what their country had to offer. And so these gifts that they bring, they bring in gold first and foremost, and gold was the gift for a king. And it's interesting that the whole book of Matthew is all about showing that Jesus is the promised king, the king who was to come. And so these guys come and they offer this gold to Jesus and they're acknowledging in doing that that he is king. And frankincense is a resin that comes from a white gum in Arabia and it's used as incense. It's used to burn um, in, in those incense offerings and things like that. It's never mixed with anything. It's actually kept pure. And so when they come and they offer this to Jesus, it's an acknowledgement of his high priestly role. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that he is going to go and intercede for us. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that now he stands at the right hand of God, doing exactly that for us. And then the last gift is myrrh. It's a very expensive thing. And Nicodemus used 100 pounds of myrrh when he embalmed Jesus when he finally died. And so myrrh is used to embalm the dead. And again, these guys wouldn't have known what they were offering. And in fact, all these gifts are possibly sold by Joseph and Mary in order for, to finance their um, journey to Egypt and back and those types of things. So it was very, very good for them at the time. But the gifts are quite symbolic. And so when we think about Jesus, when we think about the manger, we can't help but think about the cross as well. Jesus was born in the shadow of that cross. And even at his birth, it was obvious that he came in order that he might die for us. These guys had no idea 
what the gifts they gave meant in relation to Jesus as king. That they showed that Jesus, even at this early age, the type of life that he was going to live and the type of king that he would be. And the question is, do we get it? Do we understand it? There's only two types of people in the world. Those who believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour and those who don't. And in our eternal economy, that's all that matters. When these wise men saw the star, they set out because they'd heard about Jesus. They'd heard that there was this promised king and they wanted to see this promised king of the Jews. They wanted to worship him. They were far off. They were pagans. They were involved in divination, astrology, and who knows whatever else. And yet they came. They came and worshipped the king. And this morning, we had six baptisms, five in the first service, one in the second service. And there's two groups of those people who were far off. They had no interest in Christianity. One couple gave their testimony. They've been at the church for nine weeks. And they were having troubles in their family and things like that. They were just wondering what life was all about. They had plenty of finances. They had a good life. And yet they thought there must have been more. They had a couple of friends who came to this church to STBC and they invited them along to church and they came along to church and they were immediately surrounded by a number of people who helped them. Pastor Daryl and Pastor David were part of that as well. And they were blown away by the caring and love that these people showed. And they, as they went home, they talked to each other about it and said, we have never experienced a situation like this. We have never experienced where people would come around and care for us so much. There's got to be more to this than what we thought. These are people who denied Christ. They denied faith. They saw no reason and no purpose for it. When they came along, they experienced something that they just wanted to embrace. They wanted to be a part of. And here we are nine weeks down the track and they were baptized. Is that awesome? I think it is. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Another couple was baptised in that service. They didn't give their testimony, but I had an inside run on this one, so I can cheat. I think it was Scott. Scott's here, isn't he? Scott Carpenter. Holly, what's Holly's husband's name? Samuel, Samuel, that's right. Right where you're sitting, brother. (laughs) That's where they were. They snuck in here one night. 6.30 service. Towards the end of the service, they were walking past. They saw Chinese characters on the sign out the front. They were Cantonese. They walked in in faltering faltering English. They spoke to us. We want to know about Jesus. I'm like, wow, what a gift. I think Scott spoke to him first, and uh, he was like, too much for me. I'll get Charlie. Nah, it wasn't like that. But he, he got me and introduced me to these guys. I started talking to them. It's obvious that they had this passion and hunger and desire to know about Christ. They'd never heard about Jesus. This is what, three months ago? Three months. Yep. Three months ago. And so I was like, great, let's introduce them to Alvin. Let's get the
you might talk to Jesus about them and they'll be polite and they'll listen because it's Christmas and we talk about baby Jesus. And then when you walk away, they might say, gee, that guy's a nutter. Or they might. Then again, they might not. But they will listen. And I want you to think about right now, I want you to think about the people who are far off. Those friends you have that you think have no hope of ever coming to faith. That boss you detest because he just rubs you the wrong way every day. That family member who goes in this world so clearly displaying his failure and failure blinding you. I've written people off like that. I've thought there's no hope. These guys who are far off, these wise men, God drew to himself and they came and they worshipped this baby, this toddler. What were the religious leaders doing? These are the guys who are close. These are the guys who knew what was going to happen. These are the guys who poured over the scrolls and knew about the Messiah that was going to come. These are the guys who, when King Herod said, tell me about this king of the Jews, when's he going to come? They didn't have to go and research it. They said, well, what's going to happen, man? He's going to be born in Bethlehem. They didn't need to look it up. They knew. But the thing is, they had become so comfortable in their life, they become so comfortable in their relationship with King Herod and all the things that he was allowing them to have and do and everything like that, they didn't want anyone to come and disrupt this. And so these guys who were close, these guys who should have known all about Jesus, these guys who should have been pushing others to come and see this Saviour wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't want their life to be disrupted. They didn't want things to change for them. Instead of rejoicing, as the wise men did, they were troubled. They were troubled. Herod, the religious leaders, and all of Jerusalem were troubled with him. They didn't want to see Jesus as king. They didn't want to see him as Messiah. They didn't even want to see him as a child. They only saw him as a threat. This toddler posed such a threat to King Herod that he took all possible steps to kill him. And I believe the religious leaders supported him in that. And ultimately, they were the ones who did kill him in the end. I think today Jesus is still seen as a threat. I speak to many people about Jesus. I speak to him about the life that I have with him. And they see a life of Jesus in line with everything they have to give up in order to follow him. And I know we have to count the cost. But they see the cost as being far too great. And they don't understand the incredible blessings, the riches of the freedom of knowing Christ, the incredible hope of glory that we have, the wonderful life-changing peace, comfort and joy we experience as a result of a relationship with Jesus.
And a life with Christ is not about what we have to give up. A life with Christ is about what we gain. And there's two kinds of people in this world. We said it before, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and those who don't. There's those who come and worship Jesus as King and there's those who don't. There's those who rejoice because Jesus is King and those who are troubled. Why were these guys called wise men? Because they came to Jesus and they worshipped. And the question is, are we worshipping Jesus? Are we willing to forget everyone and everything else and come and bow to Jesus? Are we willing to offer our best, all that we have, just as the wise man did? Are we willing to give him all of ourselves, all of our lives, everything we have, everything we could be? Herod responded to Jesus with hostility. The religious leader, scribes and priests responded with indifference. to reflect on God's word, to respond to him, to allow that to change us. And that's what we have to do. The wise men responded to Jesus in worship. And what are the wise men and women doing today? What is it that they're calling others to do? Wise men and women today are repenting. Wise men and women today are seeking Jesus. Wise men and women today are bowing to him. Wise men and women are humbling themselves before him. Wise men and women are calling him Lord and Saviour. Wise men and women are praising him. Wise men and women are proclaiming his goodness. Wise men and women are believing his word. Wise men and women are ignoring the wisdom of
Let me find someone else. I won't give up until you've found someone you can relate to and be mentored by. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the story of the wise men. And I thank you, Lord, that you intervened in their life in such a way that they wanted to change what they were doing and they were willing to take this great journey just to lay eyes on this promised king and Lord they come to this child and I don't know some people might have been disappointed but these guys weren't they just responded by bowing down they 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 just threw themselves at Jesus feet and they worshiped him and Lord I pray for us for myself, for everyone here, that we will have hearts of worship. That, Lord, you will break our hearts for what breaks yours. That, Lord, at this time of year, we won't be thinking about those people that are far off, those people who can't possibly know you, those people who can't possibly come to you. But we'll be thinking that these wise men came to you and they came from far off, Lord. And it doesn't matter what I think, you are a mighty, loving God and you can do anything. And Lord, I pray that you'll bring us to our knees for those that we think are lost and that we'll intercede for them. We'll pray for them, especially at this time of year. And Lord, my heart's desire is that I can join in those prayers as well. And I ask, Lord, that you will hear our prayers, that you'll answer them. And Lord, I pray for each one of us, first and foremost, we'll get serious about our relationship with you, that we want to engage with you, we want to pray with you, we want to read your word and hear from you. And Lord, that that will change us. We will move into a closer relationship with you because of that. And Lord, I pray that you'll raise up Christian friends around us who can encourage us and spur us on in the faith as well. Such praises What are the splendors